Welcome to podcast number 43 on December 22nd of 2021. What we will talk about tonight is speculating versus investing, penny stocks, explaining investing to a child. My name is Ian Duncan McDonald. I am the author of four investment books, which you can find on Amazon.com. What is the difference between investing and trading? To me, the fundamental difference between investing and trading, I think trading is really speculating, is that in trading, you're concentrating on buying and selling of one stock that you're sure you can buy at a low price and sell at a high price. In investing, you do not concentrate on one stock. You concentrate in what is happening to your portfolio, your total portfolio. Stocks within the portfolio will rise and fall. However, with a portfolio of carefully chosen, financially strong companies paying high dividends, it is hard for the total portfolio not to make a capital gain. The dividend income is a given. From the research from my books, I learned that 90% of such stocks will show capital gain and pay steady dividends. The one or two that do not show a capital gain or pay a consistent dividend become almost irrelevant. Because of the winners, capital gains and dividend payments overwhelm those who do not perform as well as they have historically. The interesting thing is that you can easily see 20 years of constant share price increases and constant dividend payout increases before you invest in a stock. Those dividends are controlled by the management of the company. Speculators have no impact on profits. This is why even in a recession, you can see the dividends being paid at their normal rate, while the share price may have been pushed down to 50% by speculators. However, because the companies are profitable, their share prices recover to new highs. Speculators are slaves to share prices because they must sell a share to generate income to live on. They often, in desperation, end up selling at the worst possible time when the share price is at its lowest. Concentrating on the total portfolio spreads the risk. Dividend income protects you from share price fluctuations. You are unlikely as an investor to ever see a stock increase by 1,000% in a year but I've had it happen. For example, the stock I bought at $2 because it was financially strong and paying a dividend of 7%, I sold a year later at $22 because with a rising share price but no increase in the dividend payments, the dividend had fallen to 2%. I then spread this capital gain among stocks paying me dividends between 5.5% and 7.5%. If you treat the stock exchange 
like a lottery, you are destined to get the same results as a lottery. If you treat it as if you are not buying just shares, but the entire business with the intention to operate it for the rest of your life, your attitude to laying out the money would be quite different. It would be unlikely that you would choose to buy a weak, unprofitable business being sold to you on its potential to eventually make profits. Successful investing is all in the attitude. You do not need to speculate to become financially independent. Question number two. What is the problem in investing in the Standard & Poor 500? Things are neither good nor bad except by comparison. The Standard & Poor 500 is safe for the long term, but investing equally in a carefully chosen portfolio of 20 financially strong stocks paying high dividends is not only safer than a composite of the 500 stocks and the S&P 500, but will provide you with a far better dividend income and capital gain. Diluting your money by putting it into 500 stocks means that you have one 500th of the 500 stocks. The mediocre stocks wipe out the income and growth benefits of the strongest and best of the S&P 500 stocks. So you end up with a blah portfolio with a blah result. Many of the very best stocks on the New York Stock Exchange that pay exceptional dividends are not included in the S&P 500 because they are foreign. Examples, Rio Tinto Mining, Royal Bank of Canada, TD Bank, British American Tobacco, and others. For more stocks that beat S&P stocks, look in the American High Dividend Handbook. Question number three. Should I sell all my company's stock now before it announces a major loss next week? Is this a loss that the company cannot ever recover from? Have you identified a better company to invest in and can describe what makes it better? Perhaps next week is a great time to buy more of your company's stock if this is just a passing incident. Getting caught up in speculative buy low, sell high thinking usually leads to disasters. No one can accurately predict future share prices. I have seen many companies who declared losses immediately see their share prices rise as speculators bought into the stock based on the company's plan to fix the problem that caused the loss. Companies are not blocks of wood. They are controlled by the executives with knowledge and experience. They are dedicated to survival and growth of the company. I was asked, how would I go about explaining investing to a child? That's a tricky one. This gives me a chance to put in my little child's voice as I give you this dialogue. Johnny... Do you like money? Yes. Why do you like money? 
Because I buy video games with my $5 allowance each week. How many video games can you buy? I only get enough to buy one. Would you like to be able to sometimes be able to buy more than one? Yes. Do you know how to get more money? I can ask my father for more money. Would he give it to you? No. How would you like to have money and never have to ask your father or anyone for money to buy a few more new video games each month? I would like that. Instead of you buying a new video game every week, it would require that you save your allowance money and birthday money until you had saved up to $1,000. Could you do that? I could do that. But how does this give me more money for video games? You are going to buy a piece of a company and as an owner of a piece of this company, that company is going to pay you money every month. How much money? That $1,000 gives you 1,000 pieces of that company. For each piece, they're going to pay you six cents. When you add up all the six cents for all these pieces, you are going, over the next year, receive $60. This works out to $5 every month. Your allowance is now $5 a week. Now, once a month, you will be able to buy one additional $5 game instead of just one in that week. Why can't I get more than six cents a share? As time goes by, you will get more than six cents a share. The stock you chose is a strong, growing stock. It was paying five cents for each piece a year ago, and before that, it was paying four cents. You will probably see it increase to at least seven cents in the future. This will give you $70 instead of $60 to buy video games in that year. Would you be able to buy 14 additional video games each year instead of the 12 you were able to buy with your $5 weekly allowance? Oh, I can do that. Because as the company becomes stronger, it can pay more money to the owners of the company each month. A year ago, it costs only 90 cents to buy each piece of that company. Two years ago, it cost 80 cents to buy each piece. I expect in another year, it will cost $1.10 to buy a piece of the company. This means that in addition to the $60 you receive each year, your piece of the company increases by 10 cents. Your 1,000 pieces would now be worth $1,100. How many $5 games could I buy with $1,100? You could buy 220 $5 games with that money. Of course, it would mean that you would stop receiving the six cents for each piece of the company. Yes, you own those pieces. You can trade those pieces for money to buy games. How do I trade them for money? You go to a house where people trade pieces of a company for money. 
It is called a stock market. The pieces of the company are called shares. You tell the people who gather there each day that I have 1,000 shares of this company, which I will trade for $1.10 each. Some will offer you 95 cents. Some may only offer you $1.05. Finally, someone agrees to pay $1.10 for each piece. Now, what are you going to do with the $1,100? Buy 220 video games. If you do that, you will no longer have the additional money every month over your allowance, and you will no longer own 1,000 pieces that may someday grow to be worth $2 a piece instead of the $1 a piece they are now worth. How many video games do you need to own? Video games do not provide income. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Question number five. Are penny stocks worth investing in? I have a friend who will invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in penny stocks. He will buy a stock for 15 cents a share and fret over every half cent gain or loss. He has made hundreds of thousands of dollars from penny stocks. He has also lost money on some, but overall he is ahead. He often tries to get me to invest in these low price stocks. I run them through my scoring software and they usually will score less than 20 out of a possible 100, which means I would not even consider them. Once in a while, he clues me into one that scores in the mid-50s. At such a time, I may well buy into it. Once I bought 2000 within the last few years at around $2 a share, I sold it yesterday for $21.97 a share. Why did I sell it? Because I live off my dividends. It was paying a good dividend of around 6% when I bought it. However, as the share prices increase, dividend percentages fall unless more money is paid out in dividends. In this case, it was now paying 2.57%. Thus, I had an asset now worth $43,900, putting a little cash in my pocket every month. So I sold it and spread the money among three stocks already in my portfolio, paying dividends between 5 and 8.5%. Interestingly, one of these stocks is another inexpensive stock, which I bought at $4.87 per share. Its score was 54 at a price-to-earnings ratio of 9.0, and the operating margin was 39.67%. Six analysts expected it to go higher. Its book value was $8.91, and it paid its dividends through the 2020 market crash. I don't care if a stock is a penny stock or a blue chip. If its score is good and has paid an ever-increasing dividend payout for years with an ever-increasing share price, 
it is going to get my attention. Very few penny stocks score over 50. I know from having scored thousands of stocks that I am far more likely to see a $2 stock increase by 10 times than a $50 stock. I also know trying to find a blue chip stock paying more than a 1% dividend is more than difficult. I do have several strong stocks costing over $100 in my portfolio. They anchor it. These are often stocks I bought for around $50 many years ago. They score in the high 60s and 70s. I've only seen one company ever score as high as an 82. These stocks pay the same 3.5% to 5% dividends they have always paid, but the actual cash payout I receive from each is now several thousand dollars more because these stocks raise their dividend payouts to coordinate them with their ever-increasing share price. I am not investing for capital gain. I am investing for income. But the strange thing is that my portfolio is more than 300% larger and still growing than when I became a self-directed investor 17 years ago when I retired. My background was building commercial risk scoring systems. Stocks, to me, are just another form of commercial risk. If you are curious about the scoring system, you can read more about it in my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. There are also other aids available that help you find financially strong stocks paying high dividends. Penny stocks are not a waste of time. They are just a stock. While they may be small, some are financially quite strong. You just need to be able to recognize their financial strength. Most stocks selling for hundreds or even thousands of dollars were one time a penny stock. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. <laughs>